was the sense that Windsor was the worst place to live if you're a woman. I want us to change the narrative to say Windsor is the Essex is the best place if you're a woman to live, to start a business, to grow a business, uh, and to be a leader. Women are 67% less likely to self-promote than men empower women entrepreneurs. Women owned 34% of businesses in Windsor, Essex. Women have to be part of that process. They need to be part of that plan. Women were underrepresented in every single area. We can ensure um, that we can continue to move the dial. Found that they had imposter syndrome. In terms of Rise Windsor, Essex, increasing the number of women entrepreneurs. And that addresses the needs of women entrepreneurs at this time are designed to really celebrate women. Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting young female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. I've officially teamed up with Rise Windsor Essex to bring you stories of Windsor Essex's very own female entrepreneurs. We're here to celebrate women in the area who have made it happen. Today, I'll be speaking with Sandra from Peglioni Estate Winery, which I'm so excited to announce is the official wine of Made It Happen podcast. Sandra is passionate about hospitality and tourism and has enjoyed a career in the industry for over 10 years. But despite having vineyards on a vision board in her early 20s, she never would have dreamed that she would be at the Halmo Winery one day. In the last year, Peglioni Estate Winery has become a well-known destination in the region, growing sales by 300% and has just won its first three wine medals at the Great American International Wine Competition. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to talk about an upcoming Rise Windsor Essex virtual event. Rise Windsor Essex recently received funding from the U.S. Consulate General in Toronto to provide a speaker series highlighting women in the mobility sector in our region. Make sure to follow Rise on social media to find out more about these events, including a virtual event happening next Thursday. So I just want to start us off by saying thank you so much for joining me here today, Sandra, and I'm so excited to hear about the creation of your business and how it's sort of come along. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. It is a pleasure to be a part of this and to share our story and just to be in the company of so many amazing women sharing their stories on the podcast. So thank you. Yes, of course. Thank you. And so how about we start off with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Kingsville. I had my first career here um, in Windsor, actually, in automotive, funny enough, where I worked in account management after graduating with an international business degree. And during that time, I traveled a lot back and forth to Germany, and I really fell in love with the travel business. Um, So six years into that, a career, I decided I really needed to reinvent, um, reinvent myself. And I moved to Toronto and I got a finance degree specializing in hospitality and tourism. And I landed this awesome job at Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts where I sold their properties globally and did sales and marketing for one of their resorts in Asia um, for a little bit before coming back home. And when I, when I came back home, I landed a job with American Express also in, in travel and lifestyle. Um, and I work for Amex still today, actually virtually, 
um, and I work on their global premium products and benefits team, which is based in New York. And when I'm not working my nine to five, I oversee strategic planning, finance, and marketing for Peglioni Estate Winery. So for those who don't know Peglioni, uh, we're a small boutique Italian-inspired winery in the southernmost wine region in Ontario, which is Lake Erie, North Shore. And we really try to take a traditional approach to winemaking. So we focus on small batch, high quality wines with minimal intervention, in addition to um, having our retail store and our tasting room, we also have a trattoria or restaurant on site, which is famous for its wood-fired pizza and Italian sharing plates. Um, and we also have handmade gelato uh, on site as well that is made by Chef Brett. So we're truly trying to create an immersive Italian experience here in southwestern Ontario. Wow, that's, it's so interesting and I'm very curious, you know, how did the winery get started and where did that idea sort of first stem from? Yeah, so while I was working for Four Seasons, actually, my dad, um, who was a builder and a developer uh, in the region, was actually looking for an investment property and happened to stumble across this vineyard. Um, and, you know, growing up in Italy, uh, he had always dreamed of owning a winery, and he saw the potential with this property. Um, and, and being a builder, he loved Italian architecture, and so he decided to buy it. And he came home that night, and he, he said to my stepmom, you know, honey... I bought a grape farm and she's like, you, you bought a what? And that's kind of how it all began. We, we kind of became instant farmers after that. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's interesting because we, we grew up with a wood-fired pizza oven in our backyard. And, you know, we always had parties and music and dancing and family. And, you know, so the, the value proposition for the winery really came to life out of how we lived our lives. Um, you know, with the rich Italian tradition and culture. And my parents were so keen to share that that warm hospitality and that culture with the region um, and I think I think they accomplished it and, and I think we're carrying that on today and you know in, in the beginning I helped with the business plan and we flushed out we flushed out rather some some of the concept and I worked on the logo with a good friend who's a designer and it all just came to came to life quite naturally Wow. And so I know that you had sort of taken on the winery um, since then. And what was it sort of that really um, inspired you to take that on when you did have that opportunity? Yeah. So for me, I think it really was the cost of not doing it was actually higher. Um, opportunities don't come around like this very often. Um, and, you know, really, I mean, so my my dad passed away from cancer in 2015, and um, my mom actually ran this business single-handedly as a, as a sole woman kind of in charge, which is so daunting. And in 2018, she came to me and my sister and our partners, and she was ready to retire. And she, she presented this opportunity to us. And um, I'm pretty logical. Uh, so I, I took the time to really evaluate um, the business because I knew that I knew that we would have to restructure it. I knew that we would have to grow it um, if we were going to make it work. And so I spent 
I spent like uh, around eight months really <laughs> pulling together a business plan. I mean, I had started the business plan before dad even opened. So for me, it was like this, just revisiting what I had done and, you know, redoing the numbers and thinking about like how to generate revenue, um, and new revenue streams and, and just really making sure that we could make it work on paper and that we uh, planned for any risk and, and, and that it was something that, that we could do and make sure that it could be successful. I think for me, that was the key. Um, and, you know, and, and yeah, like I, I think personally, um, it really was this amazing opportunity and, and to carry on dad's, dad's kind of legacy. I mean, he was really passionate and he loved this place. And it, it felt just like the right thing to do. And it, it's funny because when you, when you start to move and take baby steps in, in a direction, it's amazing kind of how the universe just kind of like, like almost like just rejigs and puts things into place and makes life easy for you. And, and we found that, um, as we kind of worked through and we, we, we kind of, pulled together some of these details that we needed to make it work. So, um, so yeah, in the end it was a, it was a well thought out decision. Um, it took some time, but it, it became a no brainer. Wow. Yeah. And I, I definitely am a big fan of the winery. I've been a couple of times and I love sort of the atmosphere of it. And like you said, that structure of it, like it's, that has the very, very authentic sort of feeling to it. And I would love to get sort of to, you know, how you decided you wanted to grow this business throughout the year. But I also first wanted to ask, you know, you had said that you actually have a full-time job and then you also manage this sort of on, on your after hours there. Um, sort of how do you manage balancing these two? And do you have any tips for maybe someone who is maybe has that has that other business on the side or just for their sort of work life balance? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm still trying to figure it out, I think. So that's my top tip. Uh, Don't give up trying to figure it out. Um, You know, I'm hyper organized and I try really hard to spend my time on things that matter. So I, I focus a lot on like reprioritization and making sure that I avoid any kind of like quote unquote busy work. Um, because I think we all do that. I think we, we all, we, we feel the shortage of time, but we also tend to spend our time on things that maybe don't always serve us to the best, um, of, of their ability. So I, I'm always reprioritizing and if I can delegate, if I can, uh, look at tasks I'm doing on the daily and I can say, you know, Hey, the return on investment for this doesn't really make sense. Then I I get rid of it and I focus on things that really matter. Um, I do uh, schedule a wellness hour every day in my schedule. So, um, you know, whether I'm working for Amex or I'm working for the winery, I make sure that I protect an hour of my day. And, and maybe I use that hour for yoga or I use it for a walk or a bike ride or just to like decompress. Um, I think that's super important because I, I don't think that we can really be productive without um, being centered and, and being relaxed. Um, I will say too, focus is a huge part for me. I mean, I have my nine to five. And so when I'm working with Amex, I'm hundred percent focused on Amex. I do not multitask in any way. I find bouncing back and forth between, 
um, things very stressful. And I think that part of the reason why many of us feel a lot of stress is because we, we lack that focus. Um, I mean, we're distracted by a lot of things these days, uh, social media, whatever. So I think focus is critical. Um, and really, uh, you know, I know that my, you know, my wellness hour, I schedule into my calendar, my Amex calendar every day. Sometimes I can't make that happen. Sometimes I can, and I just try to be kind of compassionate with myself. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that's okay. I mean, some days you have to give more, um, some days you can take that break. Um, and, and that's really it. I think, I, th I think that, you know, an, an ideal kind of balanced schedule in itself takes planning and flexibility and compassion. Um, and I guess lastly for me, and I, I learned this from a really amazing, uh, uh, mentor, um, is that I always, at the end of my day, I think about the top three things I need to achieve the next day. So before I close up my workday with Amex, close up my work day with the winery, I think about, okay, tomorrow, what are the top three things I need to actually achieve and that are impactful, I guess, because, you know, we want to focus on the most impactful things and we all have a very long to-do list. Um, so it, it's easy to get sidetracked. So I guess that's what I, that's what I would say. Um, those are my kind of top tips. Um, and then apart from that, uh, you know, if I ever do get really stressed or overwhelmed, I make sure that I stop and I walk away from everything. Um, because I know that if I'm not in my best mindset and I'm super overwhelmed by whether it's, you know, meetings for my nine to five, or it's like the winery and decision-making, um, I won't be any good to anybody if I'm overwhelmed and it's really easy to get overwhelmed. Um, so I step away, I take a walk, I do downward dog, I do whatever. And I collect myself, um, before I come back, especially before I come back and I make any big decisions. So I guess those are my, those are my top tips. Yeah, well, thank you. I think those are some really great tips and, you know, great things for especially entrepreneurs to remember is definitely, you know, remembering that time for self care and actually scheduling that in, um, as well as, you know, taking that pause to get that sort of fresh perspective when you do go back in. So I think those are really great tips that, you know, people can really take. Um, and then also, you know, with the winery, you had said that the property sort of came up and that sort of where the business opportunities all started there. Um, but is there something specific sort of to the area where it, where it is located that really attracted um, your family to buying that property and opening the winery in that specific area? I think really a vineyard on the wine route doesn't become available every day. So I think when dad saw it, he realized the opportunity and the property is beautiful. You know, we have, um, kind of a little, a little hill. Um, we have 15 acres of protected forest in the back. Um, and I think it was just, it was a no brainer, you know, being, being an, uh, immigrant to the area, um, my parents had always had businesses here. Um, actually, interestingly enough, um, you know, in addition to like the construction company that he had started um, and the winery, his first business actually when he was in his early 20s was a small restaurant um, at the marina in Kingsville called the Frosty Treat, which is now a bakery today. But um, I think that there is this, you know, drive when you think about, especially a lot of the uh, Italians that kind of settled in this region um, to really start businesses and, and build a better life for themselves and their family. And 
and I think our our dad uh, did that. And it's kind of interesting because the Frosty Treat, as it was called, that restaurant at the Marina in Kingsville, um, he incorporated that business um, and it was actually under his construction company, which was called Santel Homes at the time. And it was incorporated when I was two years old. Um, and funny enough, that same corporation today operates as Peglione Estate Winery. And we're at the helm some 40 years later. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll, we'll last to 60 or 100. Who knows how, how long we can keep this going. But I think it's a, I think it's a really cool story and um, just a testament to, uh, you know, what someone can achieve when they, when they really uh, put their mind to it. Yeah, absolutely. That is a really cool story. And sort of, you know, it's funny when sort of those things all work out and mesh together. Um, So that's so interesting to hear. And, you know, with the winery as well, you had said once you were planning to take it over, you really took a step back and looked at the business itself. And, you know, how can you get make this grow sort of in the next year and it has had massive growth in the past year is there something specific that you think really led to this growth or maybe a key factor that played that role so so many factors have led to i think the growth of the winery but i have to say if i if i had to pick one it really is that you know the winery has a strong story and, and concept. You know, we say that we're celebrating the simple life with food, wine, and Italian charm. And, you know, for us, it's all about family and friends and that celebration of life. And, and you know, that, that celebration of life is so ingrained in the Italian tradition. And I think, you know, carrying that story through in a cohesive way, you know, with our team, with our culture, um, creating this immersive experience. Uh, of course, uplifting the wine portfolio was a huge part of that and, and the other hospitality and the guest experience. But... All of that is really in line with that concept and anchored around that concept. And, and, you know, with that, it's really easy to use the marketing tools that, you know, are at our fingertips to tell that story and to really bring it to life in a fun way and a fun way that really appeals to different generations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And I think that's what, you know, really attracts people to those types of businesses and with yours and, you know, and how it does have that authentic story. And I think it's so important to share. So I think that's amazing that, you know, that's really sort of built into the messaging of the company. And then, you know, the past year has also sort of had a big curveball, um, especially with the pandemic. And, you know, how has this affected your business at those times? And what sort of pivots have you had to make in order to cope with the situation? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm type A, but I am. I mean, I, I think with the business plan, I prepared for any level of risk we could have possibly faced. And of course, um, global pandemic was really in nobody's business plan. Um, I think for us, you know, we had taken over the business uh, February 2019. We opened May 2019. March 2020, the pandemic hit and we were forced to shut down. And we quickly pivoted. We, you know, we started delivering pizza and wine. Um, We started, you know, talking about takeout and pulling together packages and trying to really like continue to offer um, guests the experience 
experience and the products in a safe um, way for, for our guests and also for our team. Um, but we didn't miss a beat. And even though we didn't have a closure, we did take some time to take a step back and look at the business. And, you know, we cut our hours, we cut our menu, we looked at what really mattered. And I have to say, you know, um, it actually, I'm, I'm actually kind of grateful for it, not for the pandemic, but for that kind of forced, um, that forced opportunity to, to reflect, uh, because it actually made us so much more efficient. You know, we were doing things in the pre-pandemic world that we did because we wanted to do, you know, like I, I wanted to have this big, this big vast menu. And, you know, so we had all this stuff on our menu and then people just really wanted our wood fired pizza and some, some, you know, some specials and some additional Italian, Italian dishes. But, um, so, you know, it, it actually taught us, you know, give people what they want. Um, don't try to be something that you're not, uh, you know, focus on efficiency and driving efficiency. Um, it taught us a lot of things about just what really matters. I think it taught, it taught everybody a lot about what really matters and we were able to refocus our business. And, and to be honest, I, I wouldn't trade that lesson for anything. Um, we came out the other side, um, stronger and we're doing really well, and our bottom line is better. And I know nobody wanted, definitely nobody wanted this this to happen, but for, for businesses like ours, it taught us really valuable lessons. And I think um, these are lessons that are gonna contribute to our success for, for years to come. Yeah, well, I'm definitely happy to hear that. And, you know, I love the sort of perspective you took with that to take that time and really, you know, look at the business and pivot in a way that, you know, will make your business better off in the end, for sure. Um, so it's good to hear sort of that's the perspective that you guys have taken on that. And then, you know, with sort of the full experience of the winery now that it is back open, and people can go visit, is there something sort of specific that you think makes a really great experience for guests who are visiting the winery? Yeah, if there's one thing I can put my my finger on um, that makes a great guest experience, it is definitely our people. Our people are, in essence, just a massive part of the kind of value proposition um, that we offer. Of course, along with our wine, but... You know, our team is kind of what what holds us together. Um, they're empowered to make the changes to the way they work or the way things operate because they're doing it every day. Um, so, you know, they have that creative license to innovate, to say, you know what, we, we actually don't think this is right. We should be doing it this way. Um, they're also able to uh, do what they need to to ensure our guests enjoy their visit. You know, like if there, if there is an issue... Um, they're empowered to make it right. Um, and you know, it's, it's really special to me because I think a business, of course, you got to have the wine, you have to have, you know, the good food, you have to have all these things, but if you don't have the right people, none of that matters. And we have the right people and it's, and it's having those people that, um, are passionate about the business, about what we're trying to achieve, about their role in it. Um, they feel respected, you know, and, and whether that's, you know, our winemaker, our chef, our kitchen team, our hosts, our servers, um, our dishwashers, whatever the case may be. Um, if they know that, that they're respected and they're empowered, 
um, I think that that that's all that matters. And I, I think that comes through to the guest experience, you know, and I, ever since I worked for four seasons, I always, you know, I, I think about Mr. Sharp, the, the founder, um, of that company. And, and they always talked about the golden rule and it, it's always resonated with me, this golden rule, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. And we try to do that at the winery. We try to make sure that we treat our staff and our team in that way. And, you know, there's always going to be an issue that comes up the hospitality business is not an easy business at times. Um, you know, but when an issue arises, whether that's, you know, with team members or whatever, we encourage open and clear communication, you know, take it, take it downstairs, take it to the cellar, have a conversation, clear it up and let's move on. Um, and I, I think that's what it's really all about, you know, respecting people, empowering people, open communication and letting that, letting that, that natural, um, guest experience kind of flow out of, out of, a, a culture that's kind of centered on, um, respect and compassion and empathy. Um, so that's, that's the magic I think for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And, you know, as well that the value that it adds to the company and the great experience that people do have there, because I know I've had it there myself. And then you'd also mentioned to you there that, you know, that's what's led to the success of the business. Is there sort of one big success moment that stands out to you looking back um, at the journey of the business that you'd like to share? I have to say, when I think about our one big success, it has to be winning our first wine medals. You know, it's so funny because our parents, you know, when they had the business, they never went for Vintners Quality Alliance or or VQA. And um, VQA is a, a robust kind of quality assurance program in Ontario and an amazing program, um, where, you know, you submit your wine and it goes through like lab testing and taste testing, um, and you get approval and you have this kind of marketing affiliation and you have this quality assurance seal. And, you know, we, we took over the business and we, we thought, well, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, you know, try to get a couple of our wines and VQA the first year. And, and it's so funny because we, we brought on this winemaker and vineyard consultant who became very quickly, um, just an amazing partner and friend. And, you know, before we knew it, um, in our first year, all of our wines became VQA certified and we won our first three awards. So we won, um, uh, bronze for our 2019 Santino Rosé, our 2019 Cabernet Sauvignon won silver and our 2019 Pinot Grigio won gold at the great American international wine championships. And it was just really a pinch me moment. I think that, you know, like when I first got the news and, and our winemaker called me at 10 PM one night to tell me, um, it, it literally brought a tear to my eye because you think about all the hard work that goes into to a winery, you know, the capital investment, our parents starting out, um, bootstrapped and just kind of my dad building the building and all of these things that led to where um, we are today. And just the feeling of, of winning those awards and kind of, you know, proving it out and, and, and like bringing that kind of recognition home, it, it just meant the world. And, and that, was, that was a moment that I think we'll never forget. 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And congratulations, because that is such a huge accomplishment. And like you said, I think it's it's so great, you know, thinking about everything that's gone into the business that led you to that moment. Um, and so that's just amazing. So congratulations on that. And then sort of on the other side of it, you know, we had mentioned that sort of with the pandemic, it's definitely been a challenge for all businesses. But is there sort of any other big challenge that you've had to overcome with the business that you'd like to share and sort of what you did during this time? Yeah, so I think the most challenging thing for us was really to um, take over the business. So the very beginning, you know, I, I think it's one thing to start a business fresh from scratch and make decisions and kind of plan as you go. It's a whole other beast to kind of take something over that already existed, you know? So me and my fiance, Robin, we moved, um, from Toronto, uh, to Harrow in February of 2019. And along with my sister and her husband, we literally, we had this winery filled with stuff and we had to make decisions, you know, go through everything, kind of take an inventory. What are we going to keep? What are we going to get rid of? What are we going to use? And really just kind of turn the business on its head. You know, we got all new furniture, we painted, painted, we got rid of a bunch of stuff, hired a new team, hired someone to help us with the winemaking in the vineyard, um, rebranded the restaurant. We did all these things and we did them quick. We did them in two and a half months. So, you know, we moved February, 2019, we opened May the 4th and it was like this crazy episode of HGTV, um, (laughs) where, you know, we, we just uh, worked really hard and opened exhausted, and um, it was it was quite a journey. And and you know also with that kind of new business feeling of it's you know for for many of us first time entrepreneurs. So that kind of undercurrent of anxiety and what's going to happen. And I, I'd say that was the most challenging thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it definitely is a big task. You know, it's like, like you said, just getting started in the beginning is is one of the biggest hurdles with starting a business. Um, But you'd also said that you learned so much through the process. Um, Was there something specific that you learned about yourself um, from running your own business? I think I definitely learned that I'm resilient. Um, I think I learned that there is no obstacle um, I can't overcome or nothing I can't learn um, how to do without a little tenacity and focus. Um, so it's it's funny. I, I feel like this experience has pushed me to the brink of learning. I've just learned so much. So, you know, like I, I, I yeah, I have a finance degree, but I actually, I taught myself how to do like the day-to-day accounting for the business. I mean, I, you know, of course I learned in university, but in reality, it, it's a lot different or fix things. I can, you know, I can operate our equipment. I can drive our tractor and plow our field if I need to. I mean, I can even install light fixtures now. Like it, it's just crazy. And, you know, I'm not saying I can do these things perfect. I mean, I think the one thing that you learn as an entrepreneur is know what you know and know what you don't know and hire those people who can do what you don't know because they're probably going to do it a hell of a lot better than you will. Um, so, you know, for sure, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I learned that and, but, but I have to say like, I, you know, I, I think I might not be amazing at, at everything, but you know, like this business is, you know, you're, 
it's a multitude of businesses all in one. You know, you're you're a farmer, you're a retailer, you're a manufacturer of wine, you are a restaurateur, like you're all of these things. And sometimes you got to jump in and do something, whether it's the dishes because your dishwasher can't make it, or, you know, it's getting on the tractor and cutting the grass that day um, because you're, you know, the person who, who manages your yard can't make it. I mean... I think, I think it's really that. And I think we all have that, that magic in us, you know, that, you know, it's, it's like that old adage, you know, if you, if you believe you can do it, you can do it. And I think we all have that in us with the, with the right focus and the right determination. I think we would all be amazed at what we can accomplish. And I think that's been one of the the great learnings from uh, running this business. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely agree. And I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs can definitely relate to that with wearing the multiple hats in a business um, every day. And so, like you said, I think it's, you know, at least, you know, trying to figure out the stuff that you don't know and, you know, learning as you go along. And I think you gave some really great pieces of advice there. But is there also just one piece of key advice maybe you would give to someone who might be thinking of starting a business or maybe something that you wish you had known when you had started out? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice is a strong financial plan. Um, Don't skip it. It's critical because it will tell you the feasibility of the venture um, you want to embark on. If the numbers don't work on paper, they're not going to work in real life. Um, Or maybe it means that you need to tweak something, you know, like... I'll be honest, our numbers didn't work in the beginning. I I mentioned I spent those, you know, those eight months working on a business plan and a financial plan at the tail end of that. And I'll be honest, I couldn't get those numbers to work. And a good friend of mine who is an accountant, you know, he looked at my plan in detail and he was like, you know, Sandra, the problem here is you're really not maximizing your asset. You know, you have these fixed costs um, that are there. They're not going to go anywhere. And you need to go back and you need to look at ways to generate revenue in, in more creative ways, channels, you know, whatever the case may be, offset the seasonality of the business because um, wineries are seasonal in this part of the world, you know. Um, so it, it was really critical. And, and I'd say, you know, like when I went back and we looked at ways to drive additional revenue, you know, whether that was like building an indoor pizza oven, um, looking at different channels of distribution and, and opportunities, I was finally able to make it make sense on paper. And that was the point where I knew um, that the business was feasible. And so I think, you know, sometimes it's easy to skip this this part, but I, I would... I would advise against it. And, and I, I'll say also, you know, I also took those numbers and I cut them in half because I'm, I planned for risk and I, you know, I mitigated risk and we all look at our best case, you know, or our average case, but take your sales figures and reduce them by 50% and plan for it. How will you survive? And to be honest, I, I think that's one of the reasons why we survived COVID. I mean, our, our team for sure is a huge reason why we, we survived COVID. Um, the power of the people um, in this place that, that work with us. But I'll say another thing, another aspect is definitely 
the fact that I took those figures and I reduced them by 50% because I planned for, okay, how am I going to fund the business if my sales are cut in half, you know, like get your operating line in place, make sure that you can figure out how to manage your working capital. If something goes sour like that and how will you get through that, how you get through that, that low point. Um, and I, th I think that served us well. Um, so I, I would say consider that and, and do it for your personal finances as well, because you, you know, you're not only starting a business and you have to manage the finances of that business, but you have to manage the personal financial impact of owning that business, whether you still keep your job or you don't. Um, so it's, it's good to look at it in both cases, both personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a really great piece of advice and something that, you know, a lot of people might not think about when starting out and sort of the importance of that. So I think it's really important that, you know, they do, they do focus on that. And like you said, that's what saved you during the pandemic, which was something that no one was planning for. So being able, being prepared for anything that comes, I think is so important. Um, and then is there any sort of future plans for your business that uh, might be coming up you'd like to share? Yeah, so we'll be releasing a new website actually in December, which will feature e-commerce. The current website is a little outdated, so it'll be nice to modernize that. We're also adding to the retail section in the winery, so we'll be offering bespoke Italian gifts in addition to some uh, unique Italian culinary products. And then also super excited to announce the release of our 2019 Josephine Sparkling, which is an extra dry sparkling with notes of mango and peach and green apple, um, which we've named actually after my aunt, my dad's sister, uh, Josephine. So those are all the exciting immediate plans for the winery. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely excited to see all that's to come and I'm sure the listeners are as well. And where can people go to find your business online um, and to find out about these future plans coming up? Yeah, so you can check us out at pegleoniestatewinery.com. Look out for that new website, of course. Um, you can always call us. We love to chat um, or email us at info at pegleoniestatewinery.com. And then we're also on social. So we love Instagram at pegleoniestatewinery, or you can follow us on Facebook. Um, I will say my fiance and our general manager, Robin, is our um, man behind the photos on Insta. So make sure you check that out and yeah, follow along on our journey. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.